When it comes to hard work, there's one important rule. Pick the right tool for the right job. That's why Chevy offers a family of Silverado pickup trucks designed just for the job. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. Do you abide by the five-second rule? You know what I'm talking about? You drop something on the floor? You drop something on the floor, and if it's under five seconds, it's okay to eat it? (laughs) Depends on where I am. Yes, exactly. That's right. Like what, for example? Well, I mean, if it's a well-traveled public hallway or outside, probably not. Men's room at Wrigley Field, for example? Uh, probably no. not. Uh, no. uh, definitely not. That, no. That's like a three-year rule. Right yeah. There, yeah. I don't even like I to breathe when I go in there. <laughs> it is that may be the most disgusting place on earth. It is pretty bad. <laughs> But, uh, like, for example, if you drop something on your kitchen floor, five seconds, would you do it? I have. I have to, yeah. Yes. Because I was just reading a very interesting article. Because I have, too. I've, I've done that, too. And I don't even go by the five-second rule. But if it's, you know, if it doesn't seem to be a dirty place, I mean, I won't leave it there for a couple of days and then yeah. pick it up and eat it. But, uh, it, you know, you, you're just kind of casual in your own house. Right. But I just read an article. That said that even clean surfaces still have bacteria, and you could still get bacteria even within just a few seconds. Sure you can. Can mm. get picked up on, and it depends what kind. If you drop a peanut butter sandwich, you know, that's going to absorb everything. It's like a sponge. Mm. But, you know, other, other things, you, you rinse them off. I do that often. I'll rinse it off underwater or something. Uh, and, but it says that even that's not... Maybe I should ask Dr. Kevin Most. Yeah. What am I talking to you two mopes for? I should be talking to a doctor here. Happy National Cheeseburger Day, everyone. Heard about the old sailor men. Funny, is it true that we don't have to pay parking meters today? Because it's no, a, because it's a. I, I saw no item of, of that uh, to that. No mail effect. will be delivered. <laughs> well, that's because it's Sunday, <laughs> not because it's National Cheeseburger Day. Oh, I think it's because it's National Cheeseburger Day. <laughs> uh, well, now I know what I'm going to have for lunch. I, uh, I I noticed this story earlier, and I thought, number one, how do we get to have a National Cheeseburger Day? Uh, somebody proclaimed it such, uh, but I did learn in doing my vast research on this that the cheeseburger was trademarked. The, the term cheeseburger was trademarked by a guy named Louis Ballast from uh, a food chain called Humpty Dumpty Drive-In. Oh, I remember Humpty hmm. Dumpty. Do you really? Yeah. Vaguely, but I do remember Humpty I Dumpty. I've never heard of Me Humpty either. Dumpty. You remember Wimpy's? I know he had a great fall. <laughs> they tried to put him together again, right? <laughs> but they couldn't. They tried. But they, yeah. they couldn't, so he invented the cheeseburger instead. What'd you say, Shawnee? There was Humpty Dumpty and there was Wimpy's. I remember Wimpy's. That I remember, yeah. too. Yeah, I remember Wimpy's. I've, I don't think I've ever heard. Humpty Dumpty's uh, was in Denver. Maybe it was in other places in the country, but in 1935, this guy uh, trademarked the name che- the cheeseburger. Hmm. Doesn't seem that creative. I mean, it's a burger with a piece of cheese on it. So I don't want to give that was guy, clever. I mean, it was I rather don't want to novel. Give the guy back too then. much credit. <laughs> How hard is it to figure out? Hey, you know what? This would be good with a piece of cheese on a it. hamburger with cheese. We'll call mm. it a cheeseburger. Nearly 50 billion hamburgers. 
many of them cheeseburgers, are consumed every year by Americans. I was going to say maybe every day, <laughs> as popular oh, as they are. Oh, that's very true. What's your favorite uh, cheese on a cheeseburger? I will go with cheddar. I'm a cheddar man myself. Yeah. I, I like, like it. I like a Swiss burger, but I like once mozzarella. in a while. Once I, in a while. You like the mozzarella? I love the mozzarella. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Look at you all fancy and melty. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, happy uh, National Cheeseburger Day to everyone today. And appropriate that we should be talking about cheese since all these obnoxious Packer fans are in town today. Yeah. Um, it was worse when we were uh, at the other building, the old dump on Michigan <laughs> Avenue. That place, yeah. That makes me laugh every time you say that. <laughs> because we're right in the window. Right, that's right where the mattress store is now. The, the, they put right where the studio used to be. It's a big mattress world store. Uh, and we would be doing the show in there, and these obnoxious Packer fans would come by wearing a jersey, yep. which I could plainly see you're wearing a green jersey. And they would hold it up and like you know, like you know, push it up to the window. To make sure, hey, look at me, I'm wearing a Green Packers jersey. <laughs> well, good for you. And I saw two people do that today. I was, I'm, I'm at a stoplight. I'm not even in, in like in a, in a building or anything. I'm at a stoplight. And these obnoxious Packer fans are crossing the street. And they hold their, is that a thing in Wisconsin? You got yeah. So like in case you can't see this big green jersey that I'm wearing, I'm going to hold it up and taunt you with it. But see, here's the, here's the thing. They're not that bright because the game is in Green Bay tonight. So I'm not sure what they're doing here. Yeah, why are they here? Oh, really? See, I thought the game yeah. was here. No, no game's it's in Green in Bay Green tonight. Because I, I definitely had encounters with two fans yeah. today. So they're in the wrong place. Well, that makes it even stupider. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it even dumber. Yeah, see? Uh, <laughs> oh, that's kind of hilarious. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good to know. Yeah, we know, but you're in the wrong spot, buddy. You are in the wrong city. Yeah. You know? uh, I'm I'm surprised there are a fair number of Chicagoans, though, right? Who are I know Chicagoans who are Green Bay or fans. Or Green Bay fans. Yeah, it's, sometimes it's uh, what they call hereditary. You, you, you get it from your parents, mm-hmm. or you get it from an uncle, or you get it from somebody that you uh, grew up admiring, and they, they watch the Packers, and so you watch the games with them, and that's, that's how it works. Right. Uh, so anyway, uh, and your prediction, Andy's pre, we all know how Andy's uh, football predictions work. So my prediction was, was actually incorrect, but correct last week. So I'm going to say they're going to lose again tonight. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, nice. Which means that he thinks they're going to win. I didn't say that. Well, he, he doesn't, <laughs> but that's what we should all take from it. Correct. Cause you do the, th- you do the 360 flop. With- yeah. They fade. You, you got to fade my picks. Yep. Just say, yep, go the other way. All right. Well, uh, all that said, uh, also, I have an update on something that I guess I guess you could say is a kind of, uh, you know, Wisconsin uh, related. What did I say last week that we're going to get a polka band for the special show that we're going to be doing at oh, tree yeah. time in November? Did you get one? I can now confirm that we will have Eddie Carosa Jr., Joining us at Tree Time. <laughs> Wonderful. Eddie Carosa Jr. and his boys from Illinois will be joining us at our Tree Time. Uh, Illinois. Al- Illinois. 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 Not Illinois. Yeah, Illinois. 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 You are oh, here we go. 
baby doll. Oh, yeah. You are my Jesse Schwanny dancing with all the ladies in the audience. You are my Nostrovia. My sweetheart. Oh, we should do that. We should get some nice vodka tasting. Oh, there you go. Well, that's that can be reserved for the hour that we're going to be off the air. Right. Because of Hamp and OB. Right. We can do that. Well, we have shuttle buses to take us home. <laughs> I believe those are called ambulances. Yeah, there you go. But uh, I'm going to have my cousin drive me. Is your cousin going to be there? Probably. That's a tradition. It is. Having your cousin out there is uh, yeah. Dean and Rick always come been a tradition. Mm-hmm. Now I'm trying to look this up on my calendar here. Is it the 13th? Yep, November 13th. November 13th. We forgot the date already. Well, it's months away. But <laughs> I wanted to if make, you don't remember it now, I wanted you to make sure that we then? booked our polka band in advance because you know, right around Thanksgiving, <laughs> you can't find a polka band. <laughs> <laughs> so we are confirmed. This will be our first broadcast ever, and maybe in the history of WGN, (laughs) to have a live polka band uh, performing uh, on the the show. I think in the 100-year history of this radio station, there's been a polka band that has performed here before. You think so? Yeah. Of course. When? Well, who knows? I mean, could have been 50 years ago, 60 years ago. (laughs) Frankie Yankovic. Well, I like to see that we're bringing, if that's the case, I like to see that we're bringing back the tradition. We are. Uh, so it'll be that. Now, we're going to be, so the show is going to be on uh, November the 13th out of Tree Time in Lake Barrington. It's going to be a little different this year because of uh, uh, Hampton OB that Andy now is uh, the moderator of. Yes. And uh, so, oh, so you can't be, you can't be with us. Then. Oh, no, I will be with you. In the hour that we're, off, I will be with you, you the be on with entire them. morning in that morning. Okay, yeah, right. I have been I have been uh, reassigned for that day. You've been cleared that day, correct? Okay, good. Uh, so when Hamp and Ob come on, uh, we're going to be off the air for one hour, but we're going to continue the merriment out of tree time, and then we'll be back again uh, an hour later to continue the broadcast on the air. So you know we're trying to figure out some things to do while we're off the air but still performing for the audience the sold out audience it's always a standing room at these broadcasts uh so one one thing that we'll have is this live polka band eddie carosa jr and his boys from illinois nice illinois 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 you want to know my eddie carosa history yes uh when my very first paid job I was still in college, and I got a summer job working over at Channel 26 as a cameraman. And, you know, that's when Soul Train was still on. I worked on the original Soul Train show that was on Channel 26 before it became a big national show. I worked on all the ethnic shows that they had. I worked on Stock Market Observer. Remember they had yeah. that on during the day? I, yeah. I worked all those shows, but also on a Saturday night, Eddie Carosa Sr., did a one-hour polka show, and I was a cameraman on the Baby Doll Polka Club show, <laughs> uh, and it was so much fun. And that's where I met Eddie Carosa Jr. Ah, uh, because he's about you know he's about my age, or he's a kid about my age. But his dad had this uh, polka nightclub on the South Side, the Baby Doll Polka Club. And then he did a show on Channel 26 every Saturday night. 
So that's my history. This is full circle for me. Hmm. This is full polka circle for me. <laughs> Where was the club? On Western Avenue. On Western, okay. I want to right. say maybe you're on in the 60s, 60 60-something, 60 yeah. 70th Street, something like that. Right, okay. But it was a famous polka club on the south side. And then uh, when I got to meet the Eddie Carosa himself, uh, that was polka royalty for me. <laughs> Boy, are we going to have stories on that day. It's going to be fun. <laughs> oh, this is lining up to be a good show already. <laughs> I can hardly wait for that. Uh, let me see here. Do we have a break? Yes, we do have a break. And then the one, the only, the far-flung forecast is coming up in just a moment here. WGN. And now, ladies and gentlemen, at 926, WGN is proud to present to you the far-flung forecast, our weekly compendium of fascinating facts and figures. And with today's broadcast, we bring the esteemed broadcaster, Dave. I don't want her. You could have her. She's too fat for me. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Uncle Dean. Good morning to all of our cartographers out there. Get out your compasses and protractors because actually we're going back to Virginia today. Oh, we're, good. We're going to. Uh, <laughs> Great. Well, you sound again? so enthusiastic. Oh, sound so enthusiastic. I, I don't know what kind of free stuff you got from them when you were there on vacation, <laughs> but man, you are pouring it on like syrup on pancakes. All right, just for that, every week now for the rest of the year, we're going to Virginia oh, and Delaware. Something to look forward to. <laughs> today we go to Aquia Harbor. Virginia. Aquia Harbor. Aquia Harbor has a population of 6,727 people. And uh, as it, the title would imply or indicate, a harbor is on water. And as a matter of fact, it is. It sits on Aquia Creek, which flows into the Potomac River. But we mention Aquia Harbor and Aquia Creek because sandstone for because many Dave years. Dave got a free box of saltwater taffy when he was there. <laughs> and a t-shirt. I got the t-shirt. I did get the t-shirt. It's a long sleeve tee, and I'll wear it next week. Oh, good. <laughs> but Aquia Creek has I don't know been. If I can wait that long. <laughs> Send pictures. All right, I will. Aquia. All right, Aquia. I'll show up at TV tomorrow hey, wearing the Aqu- shirt. Then. Aquia, I'm broadcasting. <laughs> Aquia Creek it flows into the Potomac, and that has been the site of sandstone quarrying for going on for quite a number of years. In fact, sandstone built the White House and also the U.S. Capitol in what was called the Federal City in the 1700s from Aquia Creek. And it was on this date, and it was great, in September 18, 1793, that President George Washington laid the cornerstone on the U.S. Capitol building, sandstone mined and quarried from Aquia Creek. Wow. Wow. Boy, you sound so... Wow. And fascinated and intrigued. (laughs) (laughs) 
But Aquia Harbor? That was a long way on to Aquia go. Aquia Creek? That was a long way to go just to find out that the sand from Aquia Creek went You can't through. even say that real fast three times. Or once slowly. Aquia Harbor has a nice day. Sunny skies and 71 right now. A high of 85 there today. Yeah. What do they, what do they send you for, for all these free plugs? <laughs> what, what are you getting out of this? I got my T-shirt. He's going to get a hat next. Uh, no, and then there's a coffee mug. You want the mug or the T-shirt? Ooh, I'll Andy. take the mug. Yeah. You want trying, the, trying to get the T-shirt that said, I went to a quiet and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. <laughs> is this going to be an ongoing series now? Yes, it is. For the rest of the year now, oh. we're going to just Virginia and Delaware. That's all we're doing. <laughs> I see a lot of preemptions coming up in your future. 9.37, Dean Richards, Sunday morning. WGN, time for our weekly visit with Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern's Central DuPage Hospital. Kev, before we get down to some uh, real medical issues here today, I started the program with uh, something that I, I saw online this morning that said we should not uh, we should not abide by the five second rule. You know, if you drop some food on the floor, if you get it within five seconds, it's okay to eat it. That the floor, even an allegedly clean one, is still loaded with uh, bacteria and dirt. Uh, what is your uh, medical opinion on this, Dean? One hundred percent. Forget about the five second rule. It's funny ah, that you say that. We have ah. a we have a pathologist at Central DuPage, Phil Mahaffey, and. His kids were talking to him about this five-minute rule. He said, well, all right, you guys, I'm going to prove to you. So they did this experiment in their home and grew out tons of bacteria within, you know, seconds of hitting the floor. So the floor is filthy. Think about what's on our shoes. So the five-second rule is totally off. Yeah, we were saying, you know, depending on the, the place, you know, some dirty place or, you know, some place which is clearly filthy, of course you wouldn't do it. But, you know, you think something you drop something off the counter onto your kitchen floor or, you know, or at the table and falls on the floor. If the dog doesn't get it, then uh, it's okay. Uh, Fair game, right. But this article that I was reading said exactly what your guy uh, said, that even floors that appear to be meticulously clean uh, are still harboring all kinds of bacteria. So so there is uh, interesting fact number one for today. (laughs) Even if we rinse it off. Let's say we drop something, we rinse it off. Still, oh, still, no. still shouldn't no. do it. No, no. If you drop it and rinse it off, that's fine. But if it's a sandwich or something, you know, something that you can't rinse off, certainly, you know, uh, you're going to survive. But you might get a little ill depending on what bacteria is in there. So, um, the the studies have shown that the five second rule does not apply. Yeah, okay, all right, there you go. There you go. That may be the most helpful bit of information that we all get today. Uh, a couple of quick COVID notes. Uh, I, I, all the news that I heard this week was uh, news of this new uh, vaccine, which is uh, a, a nasal spray. Is that something that is going to be uh, coming to fruition here in the U.S.? Yeah, I think it'll be coming to fruition in the U.S. here shortly. You know, they, it's been approved in China for one company, um, a very large company that's making it and pushing it out in China right now. So we'll be interested in seeing that data and hopefully trusting that data. But more importantly, people have to understand, we have 100 companies right now working on nasal vaccines for COVID. So 
whether it's going to be first to market or whether it's going to be best in class, it'll be very interesting. And people have to understand that, you know, one of the concepts behind this is, and people may not understand it, but our nose and our mouth has great defense mechanisms. Think about what we're exposed to all the time, and yet we aren't sick all the time. Many of the viruses and bacteria we inhale don't cause us any discomfort or harm because of this defense system in the nose. So the concept is very simple. Let's teach the nose to be more defensive for this novel virus, and therefore we will be able to protect it before it gets into the body and causes you know, heart problems, lung problems, long COVID problems. So we had the shot, which was easy for us because we have history with it. Now I think you're going to see the advancement of the nasal sprays jump up dramatically. So this nasal spray then is, is teaching the body via our nostrils to react physiologically in a certain way. Because I, I was thinking, well, if this works for COVID, why isn't there a flu nasal spray? Why isn't there, you know, uh, you know, other things that pneumonia nasal spray, other things that we take the needle for? Why can't they also uh, in, in, introduce those things nasally into our systems? Right. So if you remember flu mist, which was the nasal uh, spray for influenza, had a good run for a few years, then had a bad run. And a matter of fact, it was taken off the market for two years. And now it's back on the market as they've advanced that technology. So we have it there for influenza. Now it's a matter of, can we do it for, uh, for COVID? And people say, well, I haven't heard a lot of people use the flu mist is what it was called. And that's certainly true. And mainly because a lot of doctors did not feel that the results were as good as what we got with the shot. So as we advance this technology, I think you'll start to see more confidence in it. But right now, it's just interesting that 100 different companies are saying, you know what, we think we can do this and make sure that it works. Yeah. Did I read something this week also? There is now another variant that is starting to make some advancement. Yeah, Dean, and it's kind of exactly what we thought, right? With BA4 and BA5 not being covered well with the regular COVID vaccine, and we know that it has spread. Much more milder, but it has spread. Well, we knew that if we allow a vaccine, or excuse me, a virus to continue to spread, we're going to get a variant. And sure enough, we have one, you know, the BA4.6. And you're like, oh, seriously, we're getting the decimal points right now. But it's just to show us that it's the variant uh, BA4, but now a sub-variant of that. And unfortunately, this one appears to be more contagious than four and five, which were highly contagious. So two things about that. One is that really is going to push us to really say, hey, you guys, get the BA, get the bivalent vaccine now or whenever you're eligible for it, because it's going to block this. Because BA 4.6, which started out as a 1%, maybe even less than that, about three weeks ago, is now 10% in the United States and 10% in the UK. So you can see that this is going to continue to spread unless we stop this in its tracks now. Yeah, and that's exactly how these other variants started off small, you know, and we said, oh, well, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll see. And then suddenly it it seemed like in no time got out completely out of control. Uh, So, you know, hopefully that will not be the case with this. Uh, Yeah, you know, Hopefully people will get the, the booster, and that's one of our biggest concerns is, you know, booster fatigue. If you, if you look at those over the age of 65, 92% of people have gotten two COVID shots, the original two. 
Then it drops down to 70 who have gotten one booster. Then it drops down to 45% who have gotten two boosters. So our concern is, are we going to see a lot of booster fatigue and people are going to say, you know what, I got COVID, I got the vaccines, I'm not going to go for this special, this new bivalent. And that's one of our concerns that this will continue to spread and allow for things like, you know, BA 4.6. Yeah. Uh, Related to that is a question from the 270 area code. I've had all my shots and boosters except for the new bivalent. I was scheduled to receive it, but tested positive for COVID this past Monday. I'm now out of isolation. When should I schedule the bivalent booster now? Uh, yeah. Thank you, Bob from Champagne, and it says go Packers. So I don't know if you want to, you know, give him good information. Maybe you want to give him false Boy. information since yeah, he's a Packer. Yeah, I was just going to say. I mean, I'll say, Bob, if you're a marketing guy, you probably need some more studies on what you should be saying and doing. But. Um, <laughs> But, Bob, it's one of those unfortunate timing things for you, right? Um, you got COVID, and fortunately, it sounds like you're over it, which is great. But now you're going to have three months of natural immunity with BA4 and BA5. So really what we're saying, anybody who's had a recent infection does not need the bivalent until three months from after their infection. So, you know, you're going to be looking at closer to, you know, December, Christmas time um, versus now. The uh, 847 area code says, uh, should you avoid drinking alcohol before or after getting the COVID vaccine or boosters? Does it affect potency? Well, no, I mean, and it's a good question because people say I drink alcohol and that's a huge spectrum of, do you have a glass of wine at dinner or do you have a bottle of wine in the afternoon? So, I mean, you have to understand that individuals who have alcohol problems or drink too much, certainly their immune system does not work as well. So we would say, hey, try to refrain as much as you can. But if you say, hey, gosh, I got my shot. I'm going to go celebrate and have a beer. That's totally fine. Or if you say, hey, you know, I'm a little anxious about getting this shot. I want to have a drink before I go have it. That is fine as well. You know, excessive alcohol, I'd be concerned about small amounts of alcohol, either as a um, something to take away the anxiety or treat yourself for doing something smart. I would say go right ahead. Yeah. 708 area code says I've had a sore throat since yesterday. Should I check for COVID? I have no other symptoms. Yes. And if it's since yesterday, checking tomorrow would be good. Your date would be day three at that point. It would give you a good idea. In the meantime, stay away from other individuals and check for a fever as well. Because although we all go towards COVID now as causing sore throats, we do have to remember that strep is still out there. And strep throat can be, I don't want to say dangerous, but can be troublesome for individuals. So, if you start to get a fever, swollen lymph nodes in your neck and feeling that discomfort, not only get checked for COVID, but you might want to get a strep test as well. Yeah, and you just pick up a, a test at a, a Walgreens or, you know, someplace like that, and something like that is a good, reliable indicator? Yeah, you know, the COVID test certainly is a good, reliable indicator, and we're, we're hoping. And the reason I say don't go get tested today is as you've looked at the history of of the BA4, BA5, the sensitivity of that test has dropped a little bit. Not completely down to where it's worthless, but certainly they're missing more cases with that test, with the general over-the-counter screening test. Certainly not missing it with the PCR testing, but any individual who has all those symptoms and tests negative, but say, gosh, I was exposed or I'm still concerned, go to the clinic, go to the doctor and get the PCR test because that's the one that's much more accurate. Uh, 815 area code said, Dr. Most, I once ate a pizza slice that I dropped on the ground at Wrigley Field. Hey, it was $5 a piece. 
topping side up. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> well, two things. I, I mean, mean he, he lived. Your, he lived to yeah, send this text in. So that's, that's a really good point. Now, I don't know if he doesn't live in Chicago or if he was just visiting <laughs> Wrigley. But I'm telling you, if you're going to have pizza, Wrigley is not the place I'm going to have pizza. Right, so right. you know, certainly you have better options. And I'm not sure I want to drop something at Wrigley and pick it up and eat it. Oh my goodness! I, I wear a, I wear a beekeeper suit when I go there, and I don't drop anything. <laughs> Absolutely. More with Dr. Kevin Most, and we come right back. 312-981-7200. 9.52. Dean Richard Sunday morning with Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. A uh, couple of texts uh, coming in. Uh, one of them uh, says, not five minutes after your discussion about the five-second rule, my granddaughter dropped a vitamin on the floor blew on it, and then go ahead, went ahead and took the, the vitamin. Is the blowing on it okay? That doesn't seem very sanitizing to me, does it? No, no, it doesn't. And I guess if, of all the things, I guess a, a vitamin I wouldn't be overly concerned about. They're, you know, they're most of them are enteric-coated. But, uh, hey, and, you know, the vitamins help fight the immune system, so it's at least a push kind of a, a day for her. Right, right. One step forward, three steps back, or, or, right. or vice versa, something like that. Uh, here is the 847 area code that says, my daughter has been sick for three weeks after having COVID for a second time. Uh, she tests negative but has a continuing sore throat. What should she do? Yeah, you know, the the. The problems with long COVID and the problems with COVID-related symptoms that continue is we're still trying to figure out what it's caused by. Is it caused by a continued low-grade infection that's not picked up? Is Is it caused by just inflammation? So certainly she has an inflammatory response in her throat. And I mean, taking anti inflammatories and Tylenol will certainly help. But until we figure out what is causing that in some individuals, we really don't have a lot of treatment. Now, some people are saying, you know, I bet you it's a low grade treatment or a low grade uh, infection. We want to treat with Paxlovid. You know, I want that medicine to see if that'll help. But unfortunately, you know, we're restricting the use of that to individuals who have tested positive. So this individual has not or has not in the recent weeks. So um, I know it's troublesome and I wish I had a great answer to say, hey, take uh, vinegar and it'll go away. But unfortunately, we don't have the answer right now on that. Yeah, here's Tom at 312-981-7200. You're on with Dr. Kevin Most. Hi, Tom. Hello. Yeah, hi. Uh, I have a question. Me and my wife, not more than a week ago, got uh, the, the new vaccines. And for us, it was our it was the booster for the booster. But it was the newest one just a week ago. Now we're uh, had a long time party scheduled in Wisconsin. They've added more people to the party, like 40 people. I'm also been asked to bring my couple of sisters that are working in retail and the other one works in the school system. Are we at risk with the new vaccine still because it's not two weeks in? Well, Tom, you asked a great question. One, great for that you got it. You're a weekend, and I'm not sure when the party is, but really we're going to see a great response within three to five days and a full response at 10 to 14 days. 
So you at least have a much better protection than potentially the other 40 people that are going to be there. But if you want to say, gosh, I need, because of immunocompromised or medical conditions, I want to make sure I have the maximum, you really want to be in that 10 to 14-day window. But okay. knowing that you've been vaccinated and you're at this point now, unless you have some medical reason, you are going to be better protected than anyone else at that party. No, excellent. Happy to hear it. Thank you so much, Doctor. Thank you for the call, Tom. We appreciate that. Uh, Kevin, uh, still uh, this week, the majority of text calls are asking, uh, can they take... Uh, COVID vaccines with other shots, be it their influenza uh, vaccine, be it a, a shingles vaccine, a, any other. I bet, I bet we have like a dozen calls asking about can you take more than one vaccine at a, a, to, you know, a, at a time? Yeah, so the simple answer for that is yes. But let me, let me put a little bit of a clarifier on that. The COVID vaccine and influenza vaccine, absolutely, you can get in the same at the same time. And if you think about it, that's going to be our goal in the future to not only get it at the same time, but to get it in one shot. So that is certainly uh, very possible. And a lot of people are doing that. And especially the timing now, BA4 and BA5 are still up there. We're looking at influenza season right around the corner. So definitely get those two. As far as matching it with shingles, I'm not a big fan of it. You know, I look at shingles as that's a vaccine that I want to make sure is maximize my protection over a period of, you know, 10 years. So I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to get my COVID vaccine now and wait three, four weeks before I get my my, uh, shingles. Now, if you're at the end of your shingles window, in other words, you got it, you know, six months ago and you have to get that second shot or you're going to miss the opportunity, then go ahead and do it. But uh, certainly... Shingles and COVID, I would try to separate. Influenza and COVID can definitely be given at the same time. Great info as always, Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. Kev, have a great Sunday. Thank you. You got it, Dean. We'll talk soon. You know how I started uh, a new feature a few weeks ago on the show, which has already won multiple international awards. Things I learned while coming up on the elevator here in the 303 East Wacker. Multiple national awards. International. International International awards. awards. Yeah, already it's a smash, and uh, (laughs) people all over the world are demanding uh, that we (laughs) expand the the things I learned in the elevator segment to to, uh, higher platforms. But I'm starting a new one, a new feature today. Uh, Things I learned while reading the refrigerator in the WGN uh, cafeteria (laughs) while getting a glass of water, which is what I did uh, just now during the newscast. I was, of course, hanging on your every word in the newscast. Yeah, sure you were. But I wanted to go get uh, a little water. So I'm, you know, filling up the, you know, we have the water dispenser thing on the refrigerator, and I'm doing that, and I'm reading it, which is where we list uh, the WGN birthdays for the month. Yeah, it's and, there every uh, every month. Yeah, it's there every month, but I hardly ever pay attention because... Because you don't care. Because I don't care. Uh, but what am I going to throw a party for everybody that works there? <laughs> I don't even know half the people who are on there. More than half the people. But what I learned today was our own producer of this show, Jack Heinrich, is celebrating his birthday this month oh. on the 20th. Is that right, Jack? Oh, on Tuesday? On September 20th. That's Tuesday. I believe. If Do I, the math. If I read correctly, <laughs> yep, I was very involved in making sure I didn't overspill my water or anything. <laughs> 
But happy birthday, happy Jack. Birthday. Happy birthday. Early happy birthday to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And how old? This is just to make us all feel really <laughs> oh, depressed. Don't, how great. Don't, don't, don't. This is to make us feel depressed. How old are you going to be? 25. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that shirt that Shawnee's wearing right now is older than 25 <laughs> years old. <laughs> By a long shot, Shawnee no, bought it's that. Twenty-four. At, Shawnee bought that shirt at Goldblatt's back in nineteen. Kreskies, Kreskies, it's Kreskies. But I also wanted to mention uh, Jess is celebrating Jess in the newsroom, who is a writer producer, helps you in the newsroom every Sunday morning. She's over to my left. I believe she is also, if I read my refrigerator rantings correctly, also celebrating a birthday this month. Well, happy birthday to Jessica! Yay! Happy birthday. Uh, wait, she sounds like you she didn't really... say it was your birthday. The 27th. The 27th. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to mention it. Well, yeah, happy birthday. Yeah. Why don't you ask her how old she is, Shawnee? I don't want to. <laughs> I know. You don't ask a woman's age. I don't think age. it's polite. You don't ask a woman's age. And I learned that. Oh, you, you, she actually admitted it. 31. Oh. Now, I learned this watching Andy Griffith, where Andy told Opie, do not ask Aunt B's age. That's where I learned that people I don't remember that one. Yeah. I don't remember that. You don't episode. remember that one where she was going to have a birthday and mm. Andy got her a um, box of preserve jars and she got all <laughs> I don't remember that. depressed over it? Is that where he bought her like a, a little nightgown or something yep, that that's he saw the in one. the window? That's the one. He had a, he struck a deal with the mayor. You know what? Uh, I saw one of my favorite ones the other day involving Aunt B where uh, there's some guy selling, uh, like, a miracle potion on the street. Oh, that's, yes, and right. It's, it's nothing but booze. It's nothing it's just... but alcohol, and Aunt B gets smashed. Dear lady. Aunt B, toot, tootsie, goodbye. She's just singing. Aunt B's completely drunk. <laughs> Twirling around on the piano stool. Yeah. That's how we're going to celebrate Jack's birthday doing Every... that. I cannot even tell you how excited I am. I've been excited at the many broadcasts that we've done from Tree Time uh, over the uh, the past, I don't know how many years that we've been doing this now at Tree Time, but maybe I don't think I've been more excited than I am uh, with the confirmation that we will be joined by uh, Eddie Carosa Jr. and his boys from Illinois, a live polka band joining us at the, the broadcast this year. Now, I have a question. Because our tree time broadcast isn't already enough like a Fellini movie. I thought we would, <laughs> thought we would add a, a little extra layer to it this year. I have a question. Yes, sir. We're going to have a live band. Yep. This is going to really, this will be a lot of fun. My yep. question is this. Will you get out on the dance floor? Of course. Great. This are you will, asking? Are you? Then I'm dancing. <laughs> I'll, only if are I you can, dancing? Only, are you asking? Only if I can lead. Yes, I'm asking. <laughs> then I'm dancing. I got news for you. People would pay yeah, you big do. money to watch you and I dance the polka. You think those pictures are incriminating? Oh, Wait till the video comes out. Oh my gosh, would that be hilarious? <laughs> you should not have put that thought in my head. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna come now. Come to Tree Time and watch Dean and Schwanny dance the ball. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm, this is how I vision, this is how I vision it. Number one, just to enjoy the lovely music of Eddie Carosa Jr. Uh, he's you know legendary uh, Chicago polka band uh, artist. Uh, you know, just to be able to enjoy that music is fantastic. But I'm envisioning this like the Lawrence Walk show, absolutely. Where you know, I, I, I'm happy to dance with whoever wants to dance. There will be plenty of people that would be honored to do so. Aren't you going to dance with people? Not with you. You just asked me to <laughs> dance. I, just, I, I was here. Wow. No, I'll dance. Yeah. I hurt. Uh, I hurt a young lady's foot doing a polka once. So I need. I need to. I need to practice. How hard is it? How hard is it really? Come on. No, I just bounce around. I expect everyone to be dancing. I expect this to be the most danceable tree time show that we've ever done. <laughs> we've had live entertainment before, and people just you know they sit around and enjoy it, which is fine. This is on another level. You know, do whatever you want to do, but come on, we're bringing the we're bringing the noise, we're bringing the funk. With we this. are. <laughs> we're bringing the polka funk with this. <laughs> we're getting our groove back. <laughs> This is going to be, what is it, November 13th? 13th. 13th. He never remembers the day. It's okay. That's what we're here for. We'll be there, and he won't. <laughs> he will have forgotten. Well, won't that be convenient? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the show's going to start at 9. It's standing room only. This is how it's been the last several years. Standing room only, even before the show begins. People get there early because you know, they want to get a seat. So, uh, you know, come on out as early. I don't know what time they open the doors, but come out as early as you want. Come and enjoy the show. We'll have a dance floor area for you, <laughs> for us. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring my polka shoes. And, uh, you know, Andy, you're going to you'll dance with sure, people. Sure, why not? Of course, yeah. Maybe we'll the, have some kolachkis. Maybe the lovely uh, Melina will be joining us. The oh, at, she, at that time on November thirteenth will, 13th, will yes. be will be Melina Mazer. Correct. Wedding will have taken place by then. Uh, so if you guys are still together by then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or if I'm not too fat again, yeah, right. I'm looking forward to Andy getting fat again. After are the you going to bring Otis? Now that would be a destructive uh, thing because I, I don't think the tree time oh. folks would ever invite us back. <laughs> yeah, you want to get a dog and tr- trees? Oh my god! Uh, together that could be tinsel. Very uh, distracting. To so him. so anyway, here's what we're gonna do. We're do the regular show, but we have an hour uh, that we will be off the air to accommodate uh, uh, Hamp and Ob. So uh, during that one hour, we're going to continue to entertain like there's. Like there's no tomorrow. I mean, we're going to throw it into overdrive. Who knows what we're going to do in that one hour when we're not on the air? But we're going to continue to do the show and then resume the show again uh, at uh, an hour after that, and we'll we'll pick it up with uh, you know whatever remnants there is left over <laughs> at that point. <laughs> oh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, and we'll come. Up, we'll have other. Uh, uh, you know, we always have. Interesting guests and entertainment and sing-alongs and, uh, you know, all, all that sort of thing. It's, all, it's always a blast. So hopefully everyone can join us for that. Well, really, with the, with the polka band there, they can certainly sing along. Yeah. You know. Who stole the kishka? Who stole the kishka? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brush up on the my... Pennsylvania polka. Right? 
I told you I was a whiz when I was a kid, and my mother made me learn how to play the organ. I could kill the clarinet polka <laughs> on the Wurlitzer organ. That and Spanish eyes. Spanish eyes with the Yeah. Yep. Maybe I'll be making my musical reemergence that day. We'll see. All right. So when we come back from the break, TV's Wonder Woman, Linda Carter, in Chicago yesterday to get an award. I sat down with her one-on-one. We'll hear that next. And the power you possess. From 1975 to 79, Linda Carter played the iconic Wonder Woman uh, on television. Uh, After that, of course, it went into rerun heaven, and that lasso of truth continued to whirl around the world. Uh, Yesterday, Linda Carter was in Chicago at the National Museum of Mexican Arts, receiving their Suarduana Legacy Award that recognizes women of Mexican descent for their lifetime achievements. Uh, Before the ceremony, and they had a nice question and answer period with the audience, I caught up with uh, Linda, and she reflected on uh, getting this very prestigious award. Well, uh, the you know getting a kind of a legacy award here is uh, I feel grateful. I I am uh, I'm somewhat overwhelmed at the um, outpouring and the the enthusiasm surrounding it. Uh, Sorwana. Uh, is not a, a person that I was familiar with, and uh, sorry to say, I was not. And boy, was th- this story is magnificent! So to be given an honor, uh, the Sorwana uh, uh, Legacy Award, um, it it really means a lot for me for my Mexican heritage. And it's an award which is given. Uh, for accomplishment, mm-hmm. uh, for people who are considered to be heroes to others. Do you consider yourself uh, a hero and a role model uh, as somebody who, you, you are somebody who has accomplished a lot that other people look to and go, wow, look, look if she can do it, I can do it. Well, uh, I'm still around. I guess that's... <laughs> I guess that's uh, uh, saying something. Uh, I, I'm always looking forward. I'm not looking back so much. And uh, I think that being able to uh, stick around uh, to hopefully inspire and uh, to be the cheerleader for the next generation. You know, I had my turn and now it's their turn and I expect a lot from them. Uh, I am there to cheer them on to uh, to be at the uh, to be you know at the end when they run across the finish line and and they've done what they need to do as well and uh, so that's where my place is right now and that is to pass it forward and yeah. to move it on. Yeah, who are the uh, people, women in particular, who inspired you when you were coming up? Well, you know that. Uh, there was a woman, her name was Dinah Shore, that I was a very, very young child when she had a a show on the air and she was singing and dancing and I I was inspired by that. But later on, so many of the icons and female icons of my generation and the generations uh, after that and prior to that, uh, uh, was, they they go from political to musical to uh, a, a lot in between, uh, scientific and uh, all of that. And those icons we are all familiar with. But 
When I think of my heroes, I think of everyday women. I think of the women who are raising a family and who are rearing a family, I should say, who are working, who are have got, uh, as the millennials are doing, they're co-parenting. The, the father is just as involved as the mother is and they both have jobs and they're they're juggling their lives and they're trying to pull it together as well as single mothers or single fathers I would assume uh, but it's these everyday heroes that are out there volunteering and and uh, supporting uh, one another in, in, in not only in the workplace but uh, within among families so uh, I'm kind of uh, uh, that's where my heart is it is with families and with uh, just women in general that's how I imagine your life must have been, juggling a million things at the same time. Yeah. Uh, you know, ba- balancing and fur- furthering your professional career while balancing family and uh, a million things. Uh, am I correct? I'm taking a guess, but I, just judging by the way you're saying, you're, you're speaking from experience, it seems like. Well, for for me, uh, I... I was started my family a little later it wasn't in my 20s I was in my 30s and and I've got an adult daughter now and an adult son and they're just the most magnificent human beings and I find myself at this point in my life a satellite uh, for them because it's their lives that are that are coming up see I talk with my hands like every good Latin woman, um, uh, uh, to be a satellite in their worlds, to be a shining example that they can see and that they can communicate with, but that they are really, as they always were, mind you, the stars of the family. And it's their turn in the light, just like it's the millennials' turn. Mm -hmm. It's going to be uh, Gen Z. It's going to... And that is what our job is, is to lend support and still have our own voices. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not dead yet, so yeah. I'm still around. I still have things to do. Sure. When you, when you were coming up, though, I mean, I imagine that you were just juggling your career to get started like all singers do. Yes, I like was juggling my, 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 my husband. My, you know, when they talk about stress, I'll just give you all just this little tidbit here. When the, you know you're all stressed out, the doctor says, "Oh, you're going to have a heart attack. You're going to have a you're, you're going to have a uh, something wrong with your stomach or something." And you just got to get rid of the stress. And you say, "Should it be my husband, my <laughs> job, or my children?" <laughs> so, yeah, right. So you're right. Easy to get rid of all. Yeah, those yeah, things yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you know that is part of being. a part of being a parent, part of being a woman is that juggle, is that and that's the whee of life, yeah. that's yeah, the we'll roller have, coaster of life. We that's will have much more with Linda Carter tomorrow morning on WGN TV Morning News and she talks about uh, taking on the role of Wonder Woman and what that's like and what it's like all these years later uh, we'll put the full interview up at WGNRadio.com slash WGNRadio.com on my page uh, and uh, you'll see more of it tomorrow morning on WGN-TV. We get to our weekend theater segment in uh, just a couple of minutes. Did you hear the news that the longest-running show on Broadway has announced that they're going to be bringing the curtain yes. down for the last yes. time? Yes, Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the yeah. Opera opened in 1988. I didn't know it was still running <laughs> after imagine? all these years. Honestly, I thought it had closed and maybe reopened in a... 
revival or something, but it's been running consecutively since 1988. Uh, It's the latest show to fall victim to dwindling audiences since the pandemic shutdown. Uh, It scored seven Tony Awards, grossed more than $675 million, the most ever in Broadway history. So the next the last performance uh, will be on February 18th. And also in Broadway news, one of Chicago's very own is going to be making his Broadway debut. Oscar, Grammy, and Emmy winner Common is uh, going to be taking the stage in the production of Between Riverside and Crazy between uh, beginning on November the 30th. He said, you could have never told me that that little Southside boy would one day be on a Broadway stage. Uh, couldn't be a nicer guy. Uh, couldn't be happier for him. Uh, coming up in a minute, we're going to be talking with one of the cast members of Fiddler on the Roof that is just opened at the Lyric Opera. Last Sunday, I went out to the Paramount Theater in Aurora and saw their production of uh, Dream Girls, which I liked. I got to say, I didn't love. I liked it. Uh, it's great songs, good performances. The The audio is very difficult to hear for some reason in this show. That's not usually the case at the Paramount, but there were some audio issues, and it was difficult to hear the dialogue and Honestly, I mean, these are such strong, powerful songs. They just didn't have the punch that uh, I've seen in previous productions of the show. So while I got to say I like the show, I didn't love it. Um, I'm still recommending it. It's going to be at the Paramount until October the 16th. In just a minute, though, Fiddler on the Roof opening in Chicago. We'll get to that next. If I were a wealthy man, some of the most classic songs in theater. The songs of the wonderful Fiddler on the Roof, talking about classic shows that have been running forever. The North American premiere of the new production of the Broadway classic opened in Chicago at the uh, Lyric Opera House uh, and will run through October the 7th. Uh, fiddler on the roof and playing the uh, the wonderful and pivotal role of Goldie on the show is Debbie Gravitt, who joins us on the phone right now. Debbie, welcome uh, to WGN. Nice to have you with us. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here as the pivotal role of Golda. It is. It is. Uh, well, I mean, it's just a wonderful show. You could almost say that every role in this show is. Uh, so pivotal, but because this is so much a show about uh, family and love and tradition, yeah, uh, the the yeah. you know your your character really, I mean, it kind of centers around you and and uh, your family. Is this the first time that you've uh, played this role? It is, believe it or not, which is crazy. And I just, oh my god, I'm in, I'm in love with my character. I love her, and I love you know our family. It's exactly what you were saying. It, it really is about. Family, and it could be anybody's family, yeah. which is why it's such a universal, wonderful show. Yeah, I've I've always said that I, you know, while while this is about a Jewish family, it could be any family, and uh, anyone's yeah. tradition, anyone's uh, background, and I, I think that's why it struck a chord uh, for uh, so many years. Uh, talk to me a little bit about this particular production. I mean, all year long. 
uh, the Lyric Opera, you know, puts on amazing world class operatic performances, and then and then once a year they do you know a, a beautiful a musical like this, and they throw everything on that stage, everything you could possibly <laughs> imagine. You. Is is that what I'm going to see when I come there tonight to see this? Yes. It's literally and the kitchen sink. I mean, I, I have never worked with an opera company, and Chicago Lyric Opera. I I don't even know how they do it. It's you know there are over a hundred people in the production. I'm mean, including the orchestra, and and it's all it's so staggeringly beautiful to look at. Uh, you know, this is. I'm a Broadway gal, and you could not do this on Broadway. Can I, I mean, can I don't I just, think you could. Can I just unless... add you are a Tony Award-winning Broadway gal? <gasps> Thank you, Dean, for mentioning my Tony Award. Award-winning Broadway gal. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, but it's, it's the fact that Lyric Opera can do it on the scale that it's doing. And this was a production that had been done originally in, in Germany, in Berlin, and I think Anthony Freud, who runs Lyric Opera, went to go see it and went, oh, we have to bring this to Chicago mm. uh, because it's really, uh, it's just deeper and it's glorious to look at. And my, my husband wept the entire show and that says a lot. So I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you that, Dean Richard. Yeah, yeah well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to some good old fashioned, we, you know, open, open sobbing. <laughs> When you're on the stage and you hear somebody wailing out in the audience, that'll be me. Uh, okay, I'll call you out. With my uncontrollable <laughs> sobbing and uh, wailing, uh, wailing of crying. Um, I've, I've seen so, I mean, I've seen Fiddler, I don't know how many times. I, I'm sure I saw it in high school, uh, you know, high school productions. I think we all saw it in high school. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. and you know, we've, I've seen uh, quite a few productions of this, but uh, what I know is that you know, I've seen Oklahoma at the Lyric. I've seen uh, uh, Carousel. I mean, I, I've seen so many shows that I've seen a million times at the Lyric, and there is just nothing like a show there. It, it's there is it, nothing like a dame and nothing like a show at the at the Lyric. There isn't. But here's the thing, Dean: when you see it, you have to not tell people some of the stuff that you saw. Yeah, and and I don't want to give anything away. Yeah, but there's some incredible let's say surprises in the show Good. that again could probably only happen in a glorious place like you know chicago lyric opera um but you can't tell anybody that no 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 no, no. I, I pride myself swear. yeah i I, pri- I pride myself in not uh, doing spoilers when i when i do reviews no, good because I, yeah. I want I want people to enjoy it the same way that I will when I you know hope, yeah. hopefully you'll enjoy it when I come to uh, to see it tonight. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Well, you know I'm I'm trying to keep an open mind, but, but the whole thing I'm sure I'm going to be completely blown away. But I'm try as a good critic I'm trying to pretend like I'm being objective going into this. Right. You know so I won't tell anybody, Dean. Yeah. Thank you. But you're not being objective. Thank you. <laughs> Um, talk to me uh, a little about your career. I mentioned uh, your Tony Award uh, for Jerome Robbins uh, uh, Broadway. Um, and uh, t- talk to me about some of the other productions for which you are particularly proud. Well, I got to do Les Miserables, of course. That's beautiful. I was in Chicago 
Uh, oh my God. I won't list them all. Zorba. Actually, Zorba, I did Zorba here. And I can't remember the name of the theater because I think, I don't even know if it exists anymore. Um, they did like trucking shows there. It was enormous. Hmm. It was absolutely enormous. Um, and then I also do a lot of concert singing around the world. Uh, in fact, I believe that I did the opening Broadway concert at Millennium Park, which was spectacular, of course. Um, I'm really proud of that. Uh, And so I do all sorts of things. I just did a PBS show that'll be on all the PBS stations coming soon to a market near you. Um, And... I I think that's it. I mean, yeah. you know, well, I, can I mean, the, my Broadway shows. I, I have the, I have the list in front of me, and the, we we could spend the remainder of our time, you know, just going down the list. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, it's it's one heck of a, a an award winning resume that you have. Uh, I need to take a break, and when I come back, I just want to ask you about the perception of the theater scene in Chicago from from someone who is you know a Broadway gal. Uh, okay. You know how how people perceive the kind of theater that we're doing here in Chicago. Uh, Debbie Gravett is Golda in uh, Fiddler on the Roof that has just opened at the Lyric Opera. Tell you how to get tickets. Give you the whole spiel on that coming up in just a second here. The first time I met you oh, was one of the most beautiful songs from Fiddler on the Roof. Just opened at Lyric Opera, and uh, the, the Golda character that you're hearing uh, played in Chicago by Debbie Gravett. Uh, that has to be an, an emotional high point for you, Debbie, I would think, uh, during the show, right? To sing Do I Love You? Yeah, of course. That's Topol singing yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> from the film. Um, it is, and, and there's a little bit of a different spin on it. And again, I don't want to give anything oh, away, good, but good. it's... It's um, it's really yes. It's it's yeah. It's worth every every dance lesson I ever took. It's worth everything to do to just sing that beautiful simple song about love. It's with, I mean, a, with I mean, a longtime partner. Yeah, talk about uh, I mean, talk about songs that'll bring a tear to your eye. I mean, the, it is just the ultimate love song, really. Yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah. For you know, for anybody who's been you know with somebody more than you know three weeks, let's say. You know? <laughs> three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Arbitrary oh. number. Yeah, I like that. Uh, <laughs> I I can't wait. I'm, I mean, I'm just looking forward to dancing my way out of that theater after. <laughs> You know everything that I'm going to experience tonight because the just the whole show is so infectious, uh, and I'm I'm interesting to uh, interested to see you know some of these changes that you're talking about. We've been so lucky to have uh, so many productions like that come through the Chicago area. Shows that we've known that brilliant directors have come in and tweaked and changed and updated. Yeah. And for the most part, they, they really work, but also original productions. I mean, well, you know, that's, you know, that's what Chicago has really, you know, you, we were talking a little bit and you asked me uh, before the break, you know, Chicago has really become a destination for Broadway in, in both ways. Obviously, Everybody, if there's a tour of a Broadway show, everybody wants to come and sit, as they say in Chicago, which means it's, you know, for more than just a couple of weeks, where sometimes you stop in other cities. But because of the incredible audiences in Chicago, you can 
you know, stay here for a long time. The other thing is, and this has happened while in the few, the short few weeks that I've been here, um, there was the Devil Wears Prada, the notebook is going on. These are obviously the people from Broadway are, are understanding, and I'm sure this has been going on for a long time, that Chicago is the place because you have these incredibly smart audiences who are coming and then they tell the people who are writing these shows whether it's working or not in a very correct way. So so it's pretty fun and I actually walk home every night from the theater through the Chicago Theater District. So that's that's just another yet another reminder of the glory of, you know, theater. Yeah, we're we're so fortunate to have, you know, these great shows like Devil Wears Prada. You know, the the one that really sticks out in my mind, I remember uh, sitting and talking with Mel Brooks before he took the producers to Broadway and saying very much what you're saying, that, you know, he respects Chicago audiences, that he and Susan Stroman, who directed uh, the Broadway version of the producers, uh, you know, they they took very much into account what Chicago audiences were saying before they went on to win a record number of Tony Awards. For right, that, that show. right. Yeah, I think, you know, it used to be Philadelphia and Boston because of the proximity. I think that's like back in the day when when it was so expensive, uh, you know, to to take shows across country. But but I think the reality is Chicago really is the city that's closest to New York in terms of the clientele and the people and living the lives. I mean, Chicago's fantastic. I've just completely fallen in love with it. So I'm being a giggly schoolgirl about Chicago right now. Well, but it, um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. I'd I, I come back in a second. Well, I, I can't wait to see the show uh, later today. Uh, Fiddler on the Roof is at the Lyric Opera, the Civic Opera House put on by Lyric Opera. It'll be playing through October the 7th. It stars uh, Stephen Skybell as Tevya and uh, Debbie uh, Gravitt as Golda. And we're uh, so happy to have you here in Chicago and so happy you could join us this morning. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dean. And have a great time at the show. And can't wait to hear you sob a little bit listen to me wailing out and in, in i'll actually throw myself on the floor at one point uh in a, in a puddle okay. of tears <laughs> debbie thanks okay. so much nice to talk to thank you thank you so much thank you, you so much our week in theater segment by the way this week sponsored by the chicago shakespeare theater and their production of the notebook isn't it amazing how long people have been waiting in line to view the queen's uh, casket. Some as long as up to 24 hours. That's amazing. Uh, uh, did you have the story that I hear earlier? Yes. Of we Dave? had it yesterday. No, I mean, uh, David Beckham. Yeah, he waited. Oh, in, David Beckham. Waited. Yeah. David Beckham waited in line yeah. like everyone else. I'm sure yes, he could Yes, we had that story earlier this he morning. He could have, uh, you know, caught the VIP train in and got in, you know, uh, on the side. He wanted to wait with everybody else, which I said think speaks volumes for him. But um, I can't think of I'm trying to think, is there any American equivalent of that where there's been a lying in state where people have waited 12, 24 hours or I, more? I think to maybe view not the body, maybe not 24, but maybe not 24, but 12 hours or more, perhaps for John Kennedy. Well, well maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
You know, you know what the only one I could think of was Elvis. Okay, mm. sure. You know, like pop pop stars, mm-hmm. uh, you know that sort of thing. But uh, you know, for official state funerals, presidents. Uh, you know, JFK was uh, you know exceptional because of the horribly uh, violent and tragic way in which he died. But I was thinking of any of the other presidents. Abraham Lincoln. Did people wait in line that long, too? No, well, maybe not 24 hours, but uh, I do know that... Uh, people you know, waited, the, and the, uh, I remember also when Bobby Kennedy died. Right. Uh, that there... You remember remember he uh, they put his coffin on a train? Yes. That went from... from New York City to D.C. To D.C., yeah. and people were lined up along the train tracks... Yes. Uh, ...to pay their respects. Yes. So. I, have a, I have a friend... Uh, who was a boy that was among those uh, watching there as the train passed yeah, by. I would have. If, yeah. I, if I was anywhere near it, I sure would have done mm-hmm. the same thing. But it, it's just remarkable of uh, uh, the waiting in line and the, the level of uh, respect and love that people had for have for uh, Queen Elizabeth II. Well, in fact, we had a story yesterday also that uh, authorities in London or, you know, they're they're overwhelmed by the amount of people that are coming there, and they're kind of drawing the line now, saying, if you're not here yet, please don't come. Yeah. You know, we, we just can't accommodate it. Uh, we have to keep the schedule, the state funeral uh, taking place uh, tomorrow, uh, starting at, uh, I think, 5 a.m. Chicago time. They're yeah. six hours ahead of us right. in London. Yeah, I know we're going to be covering it live on WGN-TV, Dina Bear. uh uh, is in London right now, uh, and uh, we're going to talk with her in a couple of minutes. But, I mean, this has to be un- some kind of unprecedented security for this. It, it, that is true, well, yes. Every, you know, heads of state from all over the world uh, going to pay their respects and attending the funeral tomorrow. Uh, I have to think that uh, they they have security like they've never had security for anything before. That is true. Yes. All right. Well, let's get to uh, all of that. And more when we come right back. Stick around. So we have a little abbreviated show today. Lots of NFL action here on WGN. Uh, Miami and Baltimore coming up at 1130 this morning. And then uh, what time are the Bears and Packers tonight? What time uh, would what, what all that thing play? 7 720? Kind of like the frequency at which we broadcast did in they do, amplitude modulation. Did they do that just to accommodate us? I think they did, yes. 720. But, but let's but, make it so people can remember 720 AM. Uh, how about how about at six o'clock? Our own Andy Mazer with Hamp and OB. Yeah. Our well, pregame show. Well, I just want to say I think Andy is carrying these two guys. <laughs> oh, don't say that out loud. <laughs> Because they might start carrying me and carrying me out of the hallway, and <laughs> a, beating me a, down in a stretcher. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I listened to the show last week and yeah. enjoyed it very much. It's great to have them back on the air again. Uh, Andy totally carries that show. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so let's see. You fade my picks and you fade your comments. Right? That's what's going on here. You have a long day today, my friend. Yeah, I'm going to go home for a little while, take a little nap, play with the dog a little bit, and uh, come on back. And then you're back here, what, six? Six, Six, yeah. So I'll be here a little before that and putting things together. I think, by the way, I think Jack has a a long day as well today. He's going to be with me today. Jack is also uh, doing... uh... Jack, see if you notice this uh, during during the the Hamp and OB show today. (laughs) Andy totally carries this show. (laughs) Goodness gracious. (laughs) 
There are lulls when there when there are lulls in the show. Uh, Andy jumps in. He fixes things. He corrects things. Uh, Obi, he's he's Obi the moderator. Just, yeah, Obi just put a hole through his kitchen table listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I tell you what, it, you know, that was one of the first times I've met uh, Obi in person. I've talked to him on the air. He is the nicest times. guy. That well, one of the nicest guys. You one will of the ever nicest meet. gentlemen that I've ever met, which makes it all the more entertaining. When he starts going off oh, on things. It's great. Because he sounds completely uh, unhinged when he, he gets mad about things. And then when I, I've, you know, I've, I talked to him during the crossover, could not be a nicer oh, man. He's, I mean, he's a great guy. He's just a, a wonderful gentleman. And half passionate. The, half the same way. Yeah, that's the thing. They're both passionate yeah. about the Bears. They both obviously gave a lot to the organization and yeah. they expect a lot from the organization. But I, I tell people that ask about the first show, the, the best part about the entire day is getting to watch the game with them. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah, I'll bet. Because Dan Hampton was predicting offensive plays before they were happening, and they were happening. Because, you know, he's a great defender, so he had to really know, yeah. uh, you know, sets and things like that. And, Somebody and, uh, has to catch that for television. Somebody has to put some TV oh, cameras man. in the room with you guys. It's great. It'd have while to be on a little delay, but, it, you know, it's, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it, keep the sound down, too. I, I know it can't be live yeah. because of the other language. No, it's great. But it's a lot of fun. Uh, 6 o'clock tonight, right? Correct. Then we're back at 10.30 for post. All right. So, everybody, just tune in and see if you don't agree with me. <laughs> See if you don't agree. This really should be called the Andy Mazur oh, Show. Oh, please, now. Featuring, featuring. Amp and OB. But really, when you when you listen, the star <laughs> of the show. <laughs> I cannot wait for that. I'm not going to be able to get that out of my head tonight. I was doing the show. <laughs> I hope they heard it. If they didn't hear it, t- somebody tell them. What, uh, tell and, them. And tell Andy, them. Andy thinks he runs the show. Tell them I was backpedaling like a cornerback trying to cover the wide receiver. Backpedal, backpedal. Six o'clock tonight. Have fun. Try to stay awake. Thank you. Uh, the, one of the other big things, obviously, that we're going to be covering tomorrow uh, will be the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, we will have live coverage tomorrow morning on WGN Television, covering it live. And um, I, I think it's uh, great for somebody who is such a royal watcher and someone who is so knowledgeable about the uh, royal family and the traditions in the UK. Uh, WGN's uh, Dina Bear is in London uh, as we speak uh, to follow it all. Dina, uh, good afternoon uh, where you are right now. I think it's like five in the afternoon there. Is that right? It is. Yes. Cheers, Dean. It's 515 here. Yeah. And I was headed here for a wedding of a dear friend. And then, of course, coincidentally, the timing worked out in such a way that it was a historic time here, certainly, you know, with the Queen's funeral. And it's so interesting because we were up in the northern countryside in England and along the coast and in London, and just the ripple effect of this sense of mourning is so profound. And you you see all the pictures from London, right? People mourning in a very public way, but it's so very personal for a lot of people. Um, In fact, I turned on BBC this morning. I saw this man who served in the military, right? So he's showing us his medals, and he says, look, this is a face of Queen Elizabeth on them. And that face has always been close to my heart. So mm. he felt like he needed to stand in line there. He did overnight. And it's pretty chilly in the evening here, I must say. Yeah. Um, so uh, even outside of London, even outside of in front of 
the palace, which is you know mostly what we're seeing here in the in the television shots. It, it's very it's a very visible kind of morning even out in uh, the countryside in the outskirts of uh, the oh. London uh, proper area. Oh, absolutely! It's amazing. Every shop has a photograph of the Queen in the window. You know those flower memorials that are so massive in London. Well, they're present in each little community. I sent you that sweet picture of the yeah. little one-year-old yeah. dropping a rose and saying, "My Queen, my Queen." Yeah. It was really so sweet. Um, you know, the newspapers today are, are really focused on that beautiful image of the Queen's grandchildren surrounding her coffin. But this is also about regular people. You know, when you look at those lines of people waiting for so long to see the Queen, you can see that there is truly support for the monarchy. There is a little bit of skepticism as well. You know, people really struggling in this country um, in many of the same ways we are at home. Uh, Financial crises, you know, there's an astronomical energy crisis here. and, And people are complaining and saying that there needs to be change. And that for now, we mourn our Queen. In fact, BBC played one of the Queen's last messages in which she said, it's not what you do for the people today that's important. It's what you leave for generations. Wow. Carrying out that philosophy, of course, now is the responsibility of King Charles. And I will tell you one other really profound statement from the Queen before her death. She said, the price of love is grief, so cherish the love instead of focusing on the pain. Wow. And think about that. It's a great message for all of us. You know, you and I both had great losses over the last several years. Um, But just to give you a great sense of the connection to the Queen, there is actually a nationwide bereavement effort here. Counselors are waiting by the phone to help people, and they said the masses are calling in. Their entire lives, in most cases, this has been their Queen. I've I've focused on that several times in the past week uh, since the Queen's death uh, with you know, my own loss of my own mother, who was also in her 90s. You lost uh, your dad. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the personal grief that you go through at the loss of a parent, Charles must certainly be experiencing, in addition to the tremendous amount of pressure of now being the king of uh, England as well. Is, is there any sense from people that you've talked to there of how they're perceiving uh, Charles taking on this new role? I will say I think people are softening from the past. You know, King Charles and Prince William went out and greeted some of the people who were in the lines today. And then afterwards, as they talked to people, they said, you know, see, they're really trying to be part of the people. And I I think there was a bit of pushback, of course, especially after Princess Diana's death. But I I think that people have really softened a a bit. Um, But they do have expectations for him, certainly, um, because they know that the monarchy is going to have to transform itself, right, to continue this international relationship. President Biden, of course, arrived last night. Lots of other dignitaries are here. And while it's certainly not the time right now for King Charles to solidify his relationships with those world leaders, there is a sense that there's a critical need for him to do that sooner than later. Is is there do you get a general sense that people are supportive of the royal family Uh, as as you talk to people there? There's been so much talk uh, about, you know, different things that have happened in their personal lives. Uh, It it sure seems like everyone is 100 percent in support of the royal family at this very sad time in their their lives. Well, the monarchy has been the constant, right? When you think about the fact that Queen Elizabeth has been the leader 
since Winston Churchill, they have seen so many different prime ministers, but but the royal family has been the constant, and, and that's what people, I think, are really, truly feeling now. But I will tell you, I interviewed a gentleman who is young, he was 27 years old, and he said, you know, people of my generation are not strong supporters of the monarchy. However, in the sense of Queen Elizabeth, they knew she took on that role at the age that he was now, and therefore they had the utmost respect for her. This is supposed to be the biggest event ever in the country, certainly the biggest police operation since the Olympics in 2012. We're told more than 3,000 armed forces are going to be around London, the Navy, the Army, the Royal Air Force, those Grenadier Guards, you know, in their red, carrying the coffin. And they are all hands on deck, really preparing for something that will be monumental. Yeah, I can only imagine because every head of state from around the world will be there uh, to pay their respects and participate in the uh, funeral uh, that will uh, go on early tomorrow morning, Chicago time. Uh, so I, I would think this has to be one of the, the biggest uh, security uh, issues ever in, in the history of a- anyone, really. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, the, the biggest events in the country. And to a person, as we've heard world leaders being interviewed on the BBC, they all have the utmost respect for Queen Elizabeth. And she was not just a figurehead in the monarchy. Think about it. She really focused on issues of global warming and and bringing countries together and and really tried to have influence over the various prime ministers that she dealt with. And now King Charles will have to do that. Yeah. So we have heard you asked me the question about uh, the respect for King Charles. Definitely those chants that always were long live the queen. We are hearing those chants long live the king. Mm. Very it, it's going to be an interesting uh, time and transition there for sure. Uh tomorrow morning early we begin our live coverage on WGN TV I, I believe 5, 5 a.m. Chicago time did I hear is that right? I'm doing my first live shot 4.30 a.m. Chicago time. And so I'll be able to bring you some of the images then and be able to talk with you about what the experience is. Because for a lot of people, they came to pay their respects and to be able to walk past her coffin and pay homage to their queen. But then because they can't get into the funeral, clearly, a lot of those people are going to be moving out after that, they said. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll begin our coverage very early tomorrow morning on WGN-TV. Dina will be there to bring it all to you. Uh, we will bring the actual funeral coverage itself to you. And then throughout the morning, uh, we'll have uh, coverage and bring you things as uh, as needed. Uh, Dina, have, uh, have, a, have a safe time. At this historic, you've covered many important stories. Uh, this is one of the most historic. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing your coverage tomorrow. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Dean. Have a lovely day. Thank you. You too. There's Dina Bear uh, live in London covering the uh, funeral of Queen Elizabeth II for us. You'll see it all tomorrow morning on WGN Television.